Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. So this today, we're going to talk about um, something a little bit heavy. Um, we're going to talk about what happens to your center when death touches your program how you as a director support your staff and your families uh, and the kids when that happens. Sometimes it's that one of the kids parent or grandparent passes away. Um, Sometimes very rarely it's someone associated with your center, Um, but it will happen at some point. And it's a rough subject, but it's one that we need to deal with and have some sort of thought process and some resources around. Um, So Kate, what are some of your first thoughts um, about this subject? So I think that as a director, depending on how old you are, because you could be as young as 21 and have this job in the state of Texas. And so I think that if you personally haven't had um, the experience yourself, um, you need to remember that. Okay. So again, this is one of those things that you need to know before it happens instead of when it happens and be prepared. And, um, and so how do you be prepared? Right. So like if you're 21 and you have not been touched, um, this is a great opportunity for you to identify um, if you um, are part of a faith, um, reach out to your faith and have a conversation with somebody in that uh, organization who probably has been through that experience. A minister, uh, a pastor, a rabbi, uh, so an imam, somebody yeah. like that. Yep. And um, just have the experience having conversations with somebody who finds themselves. And again, do this um, preferably when your um, mood and spirit is um, a little more uplifted. Um, You know, obviously, if you're having a bad week, uh, change the appointment. Um, You're going to be talking about something that's, you know, pretty heavy. Um, If you aren't part of a faith, but you have support groups Or maybe you even have just medical professionals in your life for your own mental health or even just physical health. Um, Have those conversations with a variety of types of people. Um, Some people are perfectly comfortable having this conversation within their family. And so it can be with relatives, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. Well, sometimes the first time this comes up at a center is there's a classroom pet who dies, right? You have... Um, a gerbil or a hamster or the ubiquitous guinea pig and that animal dies. And so the kid, this is going to be the first experience for the kids. And in some cases for your teachers dealing with death of somebody or something that was important to them. Um, And there's lots of great books. There's, you know, grandma was a star and the children's book on death and dying. And there are, there are good books out there. I think that there's a Mr. Rogers book about it also. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but 90% sure there's a Mr. Rogers book on this topic. Um, And so I would suggest if you don't have any of those books, in your school library for the kids, go buy them now before you have a guinea pig who dies. (laughs) Um, 
And I think it's a great idea to have pets in the classroom so that kids can deal with this on a lower stakes level before they have to deal with it with a person. Um, I, I think that's a really important lesson that kids get from having pets. Yeah. I mean, I know your personal kids have had to go through that a couple of times. They have, and, and at all different ages and, and different levels, and it definitely affects them. Um, I think understanding, doing a personal inventory and understanding, um, and Carrie, you can help me, maybe you remember the name of some of those books that we read, but doing your own personal inventory about death, dying, grieving, um, and that whole circle of life thing for you personally, as well as with your immediate family is very, very important. And there are a lot of people in their twenties and their thirties and their forties and their fifties, sixties and seventies who have never had this conversation with their parents, their significant others, their children, depending on, you know, which direction you're going. And my first experience with that Um, I was in my late twenties and I had a really good friend whose grandfather passed and not in a way that was expected. And, um, this was a family that had never, ever talked about it. And so it was interesting for me to watch, not just the, 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 the 20 year old, but also to watch the parents of that 20 year old and all of the, the relatives, the, the, the grandfather's other children, right? So my friends, aunt and uncle. Yeah. And I, I did this a lot earlier. (laughs) Um, I had the first memory I have of death. I was in elementary school. Um, I'm named after great grandmothers. And so when one of, one of them died before I remember, and the other one died um, when I do remember, and it was a big deal because it was the person I was named after, not because I had any particular connection, but, um, in high school at 15, um, somebody who was pretty important to me died. And that put everything in a different perspective because he was the same age as my parents. And it was like, wait, people, my parents age can die when I'm in high school. That's not okay. Um, and then I had a high school friend die in high school. And then I had, I don't know, 10 people die in the first five years after I graduated from high school. Um, I don't know what it was about my graduating class. Well, I guess a couple of them were the grade below, but, um, I had a lot of them. Um, and books that are helpful from uh, the adult perspective, I can't remember the names of them. Um, one's called like On Mortality. And then there were the, uh, there was the one written by the doctor um, that we read. Um, and that might be On Mortality. Um, and then the other one we read was um, the book written by the college professor who had pancreatic cancer. Yeah. And I, again, I, I, my Google foo is not as good as your Google foo. So why don't you use some Google foo while we're talking? <laughs> um, but those are books if you're dealing with the parents or if you're dealing with your staff. And part of what, you know, um, made me realize we hadn't talked about this topic and perhaps we ought to is I was checking in on one of our directors that I hadn't heard from in a while and we found out that he had passed away. So it can touch your center that closely. And if it does, that's going to impact your teachers, the kids, and 
you as the director, I mean, if you're the director who passed away, you don't have to deal with it. So, okay. But (laughs) that's much less likely to happen. Um, I think it's more likely, you know, you have a center with a hundred families. There's a decent chance that somebody is going to be dealing with loss um, and they're not sure how that's going to affect their kids. Um, so, okay. So the one book that was done by the professor is called last lecture. Ah, yes. And that is a great book guys. And he was young. He was 47. So, um, but I do think it's really important. I mean, what Carrie brought up is, is key, right? So again, you need to know where you stand. If you have not been, if you've not had this experience, um, as a director. And I do mention age because, um, I think, um, that's a big component. Um, your own family's comfort level on having this discussion. I was an only child and, um, I lost my first grandparent at seven. And, um, so it became, and my father had some, some serious surgeries by before I was 10. And so there were a lot of these conversations very early in my family. And so to me, this is what everybody did. (laughs) I didn't realize that these weren't conversations that people had. And I have um, been with a lot of friends and family over the last um, uh, 30 years. So over 20, since I was 21. So if I was, you know, the age of you as a director would be over 30 years. Um, I've been processing and having these, you know, ex- experiences myself now for four, a while. four years. And, um, you know, I can still remember um, the little things, but I also never as a child or even as a teenager had an opportunity to really understand what grief meant. So just because I could have the conversations didn't mean I knew how to process or what that looked like. Because again, we all have different types of uh, families with, who share emotions differently. So again, um, now is a good time for you to understand your own mental health process. And again, at 21, I would have thought you were nuts for talking to me about this because I didn't quite get that my family wasn't squishy and that I needed to be squishy at some point in time in my life. Well, and I think Another thing that is hard for people is when kids lose a loved one, they don't process it all at once like adults do. Like we feel the whole wave at one time, but kids will be playing on the playground and they will just have a temper tantrum and go after somebody and, you know, full on attack them because they had a wave of grief right then. And it had nothing to do with the other kid that they attacked. It was, I feel so horrible and so out of control right now because I just remembered my mom, my grandma, my aunt Susie died. And they can't verbalize it because they don't have the language of a of, of a middle-aged person, right? They but, don't have the language. But so even, they just act even, out. Yes, but even those people don't necessarily have the words because they don't understand. They don't know what a trigger means, right? Like I remember being in my twenties and having, again, a horrible kind of experience come over me and I couldn't figure out why I was at a park. There were all these awesome dogs. Well, there was a dog that looked exactly like my grandmother's dog. And, um, my grandmother and grandfather, um, the way my father and his sister dealt with it was very private matter of fact, and it was done right. There wasn't funerals or, or any sort of a gathering. And so it was just all of a sudden I didn't get to visit them anymore. 
and um, you know, so all of a sudden I'm at a park with all these animals and there's this dog that runs by that, you know, the last time I remember seeing a dog like that, I was 12 and um, had never processed death and dying. (laughs) And here I am in my twenties, just bawling at a park over a dog, you know? And so that's why, you know, I mean, you have to know, and you know, um, there's terms I've learned as a, as an older adult, like triggers and understanding what those triggers mean and, and how do you react to them and how do you care for yourself? Because as a director, it's okay to show your emotion. Um, it's also okay to understand that you need to give your staff, parents, the kids, whatever time they may need. And again, what is, I mean, this is that business part of me, right? What's in your standard operating procedures? Are you familiar with the um, Family Medical Leave Act? I mean, you again, these are things that, you know, even somebody like I had a, <laughs> you know, I had a staff person yesterday who you know, again, she's in her twenties and, um, her mom called her yesterday morning at like 6am to let her know that her dog had passed away. And this is the dog that she had growing up and she was a mess for the whole day. And it's like, you know, what do you say? You know, it's very, very hard other than, um, figuring out how to be understanding. Yeah. This is not a time for the suck it up buttercup line. This is not when we use that. No. Um, well, so. not, in, not in our industry and, you know, not generally women to women. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you know, that is a phrase we can use on other things, but yeah. we can't use it here. Yeah. And I think again, as we're talking as directors, we might have staff who are confused and they're, they're like, Oh, little Michaela is fine. She's been playing just fine. I know that her, you know, uncle died on Thursday, but it's Monday and she's fine. And so we need to help that teacher understand that, yeah, Michaela may be playing, but there will be times or there may be times when Michaela is rude to other kids for no good reason, when she's aggressive, maybe she doesn't want to go to sleep. Maybe she doesn't want to eat certain foods. All of that could be tied back to her processing at her level, the loss of the uncle that was, you know, maybe the person that she did kitchen cooking with. We don't know what their relationship was. And so helping our teachers to understand that kids grieve differently than adults. (laughs) And it, just because they're not saying I'm sad and sitting in a corner and crying doesn't mean that they're not grieving. Um, and they may not be able to focus or they may want to eat a lot or they may want to sleep a lot. Like all of these things can go either direction. They don't want to eat at all or they want to eat a lot. They don't want to sleep at all. They want to sleep at all. You know, it can go either way. And part of our job is to help our staff get it. The the kid is not, there is a good possibility that that child's not going to be themselves for a while. And it might not be because they had a relationship with uncle, whatever. It's that their parent isn't okay. (laughs) And so that's messing with them. So one other thing I think that's probably worth us touching on, and again, we could have this be one of our very long podcasts, but because it is one of those subjects that I don't think you want to listen to for an hour. um, The only other thing I'd like to touch on that I think is really important for you as a director to think about your own personal experiences, reflect in advance if possible, don't wait till it happens is again, that staff parent, that staff 
member or parent or spouse of somebody who has a terminal condition. And um, sometimes even just the phrase cancer freaks people out because, you know, um, you know, not too long ago, um, for those of you listening, so probably less than 20 years ago, that word truly was terminal. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of advances in medical technology and diagnostic tools. And a lot of times these are found so much earlier than they had been in the past. And so um, understanding, doing the research, asking the questions, don't make assumptions, don't not ask, don't be nervous to ask um, and, and seek that medical feedback on um, not just the condition, but how to support the spouse perhaps, or the actual individual. I mean, it could be a coworker um, or somebody on your staff. And so um, understanding that just whatever that diagnosis is could also be a trigger because again, not that um, you want people to dwell, but you need to make sure that you yourself are prepared for something that, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, my spouse, my parent, you know, my child, um, has this condition and it's terminal or has this condition and we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right? Not knowing the prognosis for me, the period of time after the, yes, this is cancer, but before we got the prognosis was, was definitely the worst. Um, well, not the worst. It was really bad. The, the dying was the worst. Um, the other thing that we haven't touched on is, um, talking about where a person goes when they die. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think if you're in a secular program, this is a huge issue. If you're in a religious pro program, you just go along with what is the religious stance of the, you know, of the religious program you're in. But if you're in a secular program, you're probably going to have some staff who are like, no, you're worm food. And other people who are like, you're in heaven and this is a virtual place. And other people who are like, no, you are in the sky. You are a star. <laughs> so there's a lot of variety there. And so, again, I think this is a worthwhile thing to talk about <laughs> with your staff and put it into your staff training plan. I know we're always telling you to put stuff in your staff training plan, but it's because we need to take time and be thoughtful about what we say to the children. Um, what, where did the guinea pig go when the guinea pig died? Um, or are you going to be somebody who just says, oh, the guinea pig is napping, closes, you know, puts a blanket over the guinea pig hutch and then runs out to this go to some guinea pig breeder and gets a guinea pig that you think is close enough that the kids aren't going to notice. I mean, <laughs> Or it went to a farm. It went to a guinea pig farm and that's where yeah. you live now. Yeah. Most guinea pig farms are, you know, for feeding larger predators. I don't think that's a good place to go, but the kids aren't going to know that. Um, so I think that's an important thing to talk about. There's also something um, called the circles of grief, um, which is the closer you are to the loss, you can talk to people going out, but the further away from the center you are, you can't go in. So if you're the spouse or the child of the person who passed away, you can talk to anybody about your feelings. <laughs> but if you are the neighbor of the aunt's sister-in-law, 
you can't go talk to the spouse about how bad you feel that they just lost their spouse. No, if you're the neighbor of the aunt-in-law, <laughs> you can talk to people who are further away than that. You can't talk uh, to people who are closer to the loss because people who are grieving do not need to be caring for the other people <laughs> who are also involved. So you as the director um, shouldn't be talking to the staff member who's experienced the loss about how sad you are that they had the loss. You should say, I'm so sorry for your loss. What can I do for you? Would you like time off? Would you like support? Would you like to keep working? What do you want? And then when you need to feel some expiation of your pain, you go talk to somebody who only barely knew this person. You go outside the circle. Absolutely. And then finally, I want to kind of close with, um, again, before you need them, find out what your community resources are. Um, if you live in a major metro, um, chances are there are nonprofit organizations that are specifically designed for children. Um, there are um, professionals who can come and talk to your staff before, during, and after. Um, so again, they can do something for you now. They can talk to you if you have somebody who's diagnosed. Um, and then they can also talk to you towards um, at the end of life. And um, these are generally, again, depending on the size of your community, available in both a religious and non-religious um, background. And so again, if you've only got one option, talk to your staff and use what option you have. Because again, don't wait. Um, if nothing else, if this week didn't show anything else to both Carrie and I, it is um, helping you through this now is definitely going to be better than you calling us trying to figure out how to handle a situation with a staff person or a parent. So uh, we hope this helped you a little bit with thinking through this issue ahead of time. Or if you have already got something going, give you a couple of resources. Again, um, if you need help finding books for your staff or books for your kids, reach out to us at hello at Colorful Clipboard and we'll be happy to help. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young, with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.